I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Today we're going to give you seven ways to defend jazz without sounding snobby. I don't think this is possible. <laughs> and I think that's okay, actually. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll try. We'll try. Well, we'll try. I mean, I don't think we sound too snobby on this this here podcast. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was a horrible attempt at sounding snobby. I just sounded kind of fat. <laughs> well, fat and snobbery are connected, you know. Old school. Old school snobs oh, are fat. That's great, yeah. So this is a, a question from Mark in Vancouver. Yes, that's right. So let's take a listen. Hi, Peter and Adam. Thank you for answering my question about playing in all 12 keys. And Adam, you were correct. My accent is from Western Canada for Vancouver. I have a couple more questions. Um, When somebody says they hate jazz, what are seven ways to defend jazz without sounding snobby? Thanks. Oh, nice. A two-parter. So, all right, we'll tackle the first part today since that's what we said we were going to do. That's right. And uh, thanks, Mark. Those are great, great questions. And um, hello up to Western Canada. Totally glad I was right about that, by the yeah, way. That was awesome, man. Yeah. And that's, geez, that's one of my l- most favorite, loveliest places in North America or anywhere. What a beautiful place. Okay, so seven ways to defend jazz without sounding snobby. Let's go with number one. Number one is? Is? Listen. Because <laughs> it always is. <laughs> no, but this really is. Well, it's listen and play. It's a two-parter, right? That's right. So, we're going to have you defend jazz by just putting on a great record. And we're not going to have you put on the most complex or snobby sounding recording because that would be counterintuitive to what we're trying to get accomplished here. But we're going to recommend a record that we've talked about a lot on here, which is Kind of Blue. Um, I think that especially – well, really, you could play anything from that recording and just say soak in the vibe, feel the vibe. You know, It's not about like you got to do your homework before you hear this, I think – you know, anybody, I mean, at a minimum, it's kind of background music. It's very pleasant. I mean, it's, it's at, at, a, at a minimum, it's, it, it's like a nice coat of paint on the wall that, they, that you shouldn't have to be a snob <laughs> to defend, right? Yeah, and Mark, you could actually use this test as a test of who is uh, qualified to be your friend. If they don't like Kind of Blue, they might not have well, a Well, hold place. on. You're sounding snobby. Now, I know. Okay, <laughs> see, that's why I'm saying it's really hard. No, but actually, you could. It could be Kind of Blue, and I think that that's, should be the number one choice because it's so palatable to most people. Yeah. Um, but... You know, you can also feel out the person, Mark, and and suggest recordings that you think, due to their personality, that they'd be into. You know, a lot of people get into jazz through people like Billie Holiday mm-hmm. um, or, or vocalists, uh, Frank Sinatra, for instance. You right. Know. I'm going to go off script here because you didn't want me to do this, but I was going to say Kenny G or some smooth jazz, and we said kind of blue. But if you think about it, I mean, if you really don't want to sound snobby, you're going to go straight smooth jazz, and go like mainstream. It, it depends on the person. I think right. it depends on the person. Some right. people will really dig that stuff. And then, although I would say, you know, David Sanborn over Kenny G, but that's just me. That's true. That's true. Um, So you're kind of a snob even in in, in the sub-genres, aren't you? Hey, man. Okay, so number two. This is um, also about listening. And and this is really – so, I mean, we talk about – you're asking about ways to defend jazz. It's always best to have it connected with the music because as soon as you start just talking about it and not, like, actually playing the music or going to hear it or something it's sounding snobby yeah. you know because yeah. it's, it's it's music just to be listened to to dance to to feel it's you know? like talking about food right you can't talk about food and how good something is without <laughs> sounding a little pretentious right but when you take someone to eat somewhere 
it, food speaks for itself, exactly. and the music should too. So I think this might, sh- this probably should be number one. Take them to a live performance because there, I don't think there's anything more that can sway people uh, to enjoy something than seeing it live. I mean, jazz is something that happens live and is different every time. Yeah. And just the fact that you can be in a room with other people and experience something amazing. That always leaves a huge mark. You know, I, I had kind of the opposite thing, actually. I remember, like, I only listened to jazz for the longest, longest time. And then a long time ago, uh, I was in New York, and a girl that I was dating, we went to a Flaming Lips concert, this kind of, like, hipster indie band. At the time, it was really indie. And, I mean, I just, like, fell in love with the experience and bought all their records, and I would not have had that that connection with that music has it had it wouldn't been had it wouldn't been for that uh had it wouldn't been for, had it wouldn't see had you, it wouldn't. now you're finally not sounding like a snob anymore <laughs> <laughs> but when you went into that flaming lips concert you were trans you know transformed but did you go in with like your blue no Thelonious monk yeah t-shirt? i went in ready to hate it and i left like a total convert yeah and just like ready to follow the band around. i mean yeah. that's that's how much i enjoyed it oh that's great yeah that's great um well, and it, it's just kind of a little side story. It reminds me, you know, talking about too much talking, not enough listening to the music. I remember this great story about uh, Jimmy Smith, fantastic organist, legend. And, um, oh, that's actually not a good way to sound. <laughs> not snobby when you call people say, legends. Yeah. But the great. <laughs> the great Jimmy Smith. He, uh, they, he did a record for Verve. And actually, I know some people that were in this meeting uh, there was like a marketing meeting where they're going to all just... This is actually a cool thing. I don't know if anyone does this anymore. Record labels used to have their marketing department come in and hear the finished, mastered recording and just sit and listen to the whole thing. Oh, my God. You know, and then and then they kind of freeball different ideas about it. You Can know, you imagine? Like, I know. <laughs> no one's time for that anymore. It'd be like, we have a 30-second highlight and email it over to me. But then, you know, you'd sort of talk it through and see if you could come up with different angles for how you're going to sell the recording. Wow. But apparently this record was so good and just like swinging, they finished it, and everyone was just sitting there and someone said damn <laughs> that's what they called it and that's what the name of the record <laughs> and some of some like senior level marketer was like that's it you're a genius promote him jorgensen you know? that's right <laughs> so yeah um, sometimes you have to hear it i mean you'll, that's right you'll hear it if that's right if all else fails so number three so I, number three this is and and this is might be a little bit different for you mark this is appeal to national pride. Now, it's easy for us down here in the States because so many jazz musicians happen to be down here from, from America. But don't sleep on your Canadian jazz heroes. I mean, the, the two that come to mind off the bat are Oscar Peterson and Seamus Blake. Um, but I'm sure you have many more that I'm just spacing on right now. Yep. And they've both... Diana Krall. Diana Krall. Like the people that have helped shape this music who are from your area of the world. I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're from America, you know, it's, it's really part of American fabric. And it's also part of North American fabric. It's part of Canadian, the fabric of Canadian culture as well. Yeah. And there's definitely other players we're not thinking of just like anything. Like there, it's always surprising how many Canadian, I mean, I just saw something about Jim Carrey, and yeah, which yeah. I had totally forgotten. He was from they're Canada. Ev- they're everywhere. Yeah. You guys are slipping in like <laughs> aliens. You're looking just like us. Um, but I think that this is uh, this might not be politically correct, but another I mean, a way that you could defend you could use this angle maybe to defend jazz, perhaps with some of the um, 
some of the crowd, you know, the whole love it or leave it crowd, maybe with this sense of nationalism, you know. But that's 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 for another episode. Yeah, yeah. No, if someone's like super Canadian, remind them that probably the greatest jazz pianist, one of the top jazz pianists ever, Oscar Peterson, right, is uh, from Montreal. Yeah, so they can be like, well, I hate jazz. Well, do you? So you're saying you hate Canada? Is what you're saying? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Number four. Um, so this is the concept of. The music is very democratic, or what was your great word? Egalitarian. Egalitarian, right. Yeah. And um, the, the, the music is, you know, there's not as much of a barrier for entry in terms of your class or race or social status. Um, certainly you have to be a good player. It's, it's based upon that. But it's also both within how the bands are constructed and the actual performances, a very democratic music, you know, a very... Everyone gets to speak their mind. It's not like, oh, you're in the first violin, so you do this and you can't, you're not allowed to do that. Everybody gets a chance to solo. Everybody's equal in a lot of ways. I mean, even when you talk, I mean, Oscar Peterson's on our mind now. The, the Oscar Peterson trio sounds, you know, very undemocratic, the name, but that way they actually played the amount that they soloed, you know, Ray Brown and Herb Ellis and, and, and Ed Thigpen and stuff. I mean, it was very much a shared democratic experience. Yeah, that's right. This is a music from the people, for the people. You know, this is something that, uh, you know, you can you can make the argument, oh, popular music, that's all just a bunch of record executives putting beautiful people in front of you. You know, I don't think that's necessarily always true. No. But Some of them are ugly. But you, <laughs> but you could make that argument. And then jazz is underground and always has been. Yeah. Underground, it's, it's done for the people, true artists who are doing it for the love of it. You know, this is not music that was developed in, you know, the classical tradition where it's like, you know, uh, you know, a royal court, you know, <laughs> keeps a composer well fed. Ridiculous so socks. And totally. And yeah. Pantaloons. No. This this was de- this music was birthed out of brothels and bars and seedy places and and still remains quite underground today. And I think that's a very alluring. Dude, quality. you don't sound snobby at all anymore. I take it all back, man. B- brothels and births <laughs> from there. That's great, man. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, it's it's music from the streets. Totally. It really is. I mean, it is literally born out of the streets of New Orleans, street beats and all this thing. And it, I mean, it has these other elements for sure, you know, classical music, uh, especially with the instruments, you know. But the vibe and the spirit of the music, I've always thought was very much, you know, from the African influence that was in New Orleans, certainly St. Louis, the rack. I mean, there's, look, there's a lot of influences and, you know, we don't have time to go into our <laughs> qualified uh, discourse on this subject. But I mean, certainly the spirit of the music is not snobby at all. No. And so I've, I've actually, I'm very much against the this whole trend of trying to put, um, you know, jazz music into a museum or into classical halls. I mean, I don't mind playing those halls. That can be fun. But to, but to have to force it in, like where you change the music and, and, and you try to put on airs and, and, yeah. and all that, you know. I'm not down with that. Just doesn't fit, does it? No. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So we're on number five? Number five. This, okay. is, uh, this one is all about the different types of people around the world that play this music. We've talked about this at great length on this podcast about – how you can you can go to pretty much any continent, and there are jazz musicians there. There are people that play this music and get together and perform it, and that love it and collect records. And they are everywhere. It is a language that has transcended borders, and it's. I think that's a very powerful, powerful uh, um, reason to love this music. Yeah, and it's and it's not only you know different places geographically around the world but different kinds of people in all those different places that's right and the music is the bridge and i always think like how snobby could something be if everybody 
all different types of people want to attach to it, you know, not just rich people or poor or middle or this race or that or whatever. People that just, you know, are thoughtful and want to want to turn an ear in. I, am I sounding snobby? Sorry. we got to be careful, <laughs> man. <laughs> uh, it's for everybody, but only people that want to listen, you know. Yeah, that's right. No, it does reward listening, though. Yep. I mean, that's, yeah. that's one of the things about anything good is the more you put into it, the more you should get out of it. Right. And I think jazz is a, a very, uh, has a very high degree of that. So that takes us to number six, and this is the influence of jazz. This is a great angle you can use, um, Mark. Uh, show jazz's influence on other kinds of music, um, and I think that that shows a very non-snobby direction. Um, and, and we don't want to beat up on classical music because classical music is, is not always snobby and should not be defended in a snobby way. It just kind of comes to mind there. And certainly there's a lot of influence of jazz on the classical. Yeah, hey, but, but we're when, think- when we're defending something, sometimes you've got to take another thing down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we think about all the great pop music that's been directly influenced um, by jazz in such wonderful ways, and, and that coming from the foundation, you know, like a Stevie Wonder, I'm thinking, um, Michael Jackson, for sure. With Absolutely. His, you know, with his influence from, from Quincy Jones, and these great jazz musicians that were kind of the bridge between the blues, R&B, jazz, and pop worlds. I mean, and that could lead you all the way to Kendrick Lamar, you know, like Absolutely. there's no Kendrick Lamar's uh, second to last album without a heavy jazz influence. And, right. And, you know, Mark, where you're at, National Heroes, you got Rush. Yep. And there's no Rush without jazz. That's like a, it's essentially a jazz group playing with rock instruments. Exit stage left. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so you can, you can use this as, a, I think, a, a tool to defend the music, too, that its influence on music that someone may like more is completely valid. And so that takes us to number seven. And, you know, we love kind of taking a big left turn when we get to number seven. And this is going to be, it's actually okay to be snobby. So after you've defended. (laughs) I prefer it. (laughs) After you've really just sucked it all up and said from one through six, defended jazz without sounding snobby. Now just go full snobbery. That's right. Talk about how much better it is than anything else. How much harder it is to play. Oh, you don't like it? You must not be a soulful person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Get really bad with it. Yeah. You hate good things. You You hate great things. I guess you don't like things that sound good. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, you can just go all out snobby. It's okay to be snobby every now and then. I actually think it is all right to be snobby. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Well, we hope uh, we helped a little bit with that, Mark. Thank you so much for for the question. And maybe tomorrow we'll hit hit your other question. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. So come back. And you'll hear it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. You can go to you'llhearit.com to get more information, submit a question, or just say hello. Wait, you can do that? Absolutely. All right. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review and a rating below. Thanks. Thanks.